Hey everyone, welcome to the Delta Flyers. We are a weekly podcast that discusses episodes of Star Trek Voyager in chronological order. Your two hosts along this podcast journey are myself, Garrett Wong, aka Ensign Harry Kim, and Robert Duncan McNeil, who portrayed Lieutenant Tom Paris. If you are interested in either an extended version of this podcast or the extended video version of this podcast, both of which include added bonus segments, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the Delta Flyers and sign up to become a patron. Robbie, hello. Well, hello there, Garrett. That <laughs> was so there, professional. Buddy. I'm realizing now, now, that, <laughs> now that we're doing this for a while, like, you know, because we went back and forth on like, you know, how formal, how, you know, we were like, all right, we landed on, let's, let's have a thing we read every week. It's kind of yeah. just set it all up. You read it perfect. You were, you were just at ease. Like, was so, I at ease? Yeah. Aww. Very professional. Oh, very professional. That's kind of, I upped I'm my game with that. a little video background for those on the, on the podcast audio only, you can't see, but I have a, I have the uh, Northern lights on my zoom background right now, the Northern lights just sort of magically glowing behind me and moving. The, yeah. the Aurora Borealis. The Aurora Borealis, as they say. <laughs> the yeah. scientific. I'm gonna change, that's my stripper name actually. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome to the stage, Aurora Borealis. <laughs> yeah. Thank I mean, you that's, to that's what I, I hear that's how they do it. But if you're going to do the announcement, you have to thank the prior dancer that was on stage. Is that what they so do? you have to say, yeah, they really? go, everyone, but give you, put your hands together for Chandelier, Chandelier. And next <laughs> up on stage, Aurora Borealis, straight from the Delta Quadrant. So that's what you're looking for. Okay. So this week's episode is Heroes and Demons. Yes. So for those of you who are our Patreon patrons, we will be playing a little game of what do we remember? And for those of you who are just listening to our podcast, Robbie and I will rewatch the episode and we will be right back after this break with our discussion of heroes and demons. See you soon. All right, guys, we are back from our rewatching of heroes and demons. Good episode. A very good episode, yeah. I uh, so I was right. There were Vikings. There were Vikings <laughs> in it. I was right about Bob um, being excited about a, a, a juicy episode for him. But I was thinking, like in the first ten or fifteen minutes, there was no Doctor, and I was like, maybe yeah. I was wrong about this. Like maybe yeah. this isn't the one. But then he comes in big, and yeah, had a big episode. Yeah. So quick, so quickly, for the sake of our fans who are just listening straight and maybe have not rewatched this episode in many yeah. years, just I'm going to break it down in a quick synopsis. Great. Voyager detects some unusually intense photonic activity in a nearby protostar. Janeway decides that we need to alter course to investigate. Torres then beams this photonic matter or a sample of the photonic matter onto into engineering, into these two containment fields. Um, one containment field, uh, it works. The other one, the, it, it doesn't beam over. Um, Jamie discovers that the annular confinement beam, look at all this techno babble. I know. The annular yeah. confinement beam, look at, I'm just, I'm spouting it like it's just, like I'm breathing, okay? The annular confinement beam needs to be adjusted because there was a leak. And so they do another beam and the second sample photonic matter comes into the containment field. But then um, Janeway says that maybe 
Torres needs the help of, uh, of Ensign Kim. And she then realizes that uh, after trying to raise Ensign Kim, uh, hail Ensign Kim on her comm badge, that Ensign Kim is nowhere to be found. Uh, so now we discover the last place that Ensign Kim was, was on a holodeck program that he was running, the Beowulf simulation of the hollow novel from uh, uh, sixth century uh, Denmark. And um, he's gone. So then they send in Chakotay and Tuvok to investigate. And they are also um, mysteriously vanished by whatever happened, whoever, whatever, you know, uh, causes mm -hmm. the vanishing of Kim, does the same thing for Tuvok and Chakotay. And then uh, it is Tom Paris's bright idea that the only person that we can send in now is someone who is also made of photon photonic energy, which would be the doctor. So the doctor goes in to the simulation and um, essentially uh, saves the day. So what are, you, what are your, uh, your first thoughts as you began to watch? I like Janeway's hair. <laughs> it changes yes. again in this episode. So on the bridge, the first time that you see her, it's got this really cool wave, similar to the wave in your hair from the last episode that I told you I wanted yeah. to surf. I want to surf your hair. I yes. wanted to surf Janeway's hair after seeing yeah. And then if you, so from the front, you see the little swoop. And from the side, from profile, mm -hmm. it kind of looks like how Seven of Nine's hair kind of goes up in that little kind of- Like a French ball. bun or something, yeah, or yeah. I don't know. I just made that up. I don't know if yeah. there is a French bun, but it- this, yeah, Shaped something. like a football, basically. Like the yes. you know, football yeah, yeah. tapers out like that. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so I liked, I liked her hair. I also noticed that Torres pronounces Chakotay's name differently in this episode, mm -hmm. and maybe that's just how she always does it. The emphasis is on the C-H-A. She says Chakotay, Chakotay, and then Chakotay. as well as, yeah, we say Chakotay, and she goes uh -huh. Chakotay. So that's one thing that I noticed. Um, I wonder if that was still early on in our first season, like we, we hadn't sort of landed a universal pronunciation of a lot of things, you know? Mm. Oh, that reminds me, do you remember the pronunciation guide? Didn't they used to put oh, a yeah. pronunciation? Yeah. So we would get our scripts and because there's a lot of alien, you know, made up words and mm -hmm. alien names and things like that, they would put out a sheet of paper at the front of the script that was a pronunciation guide. So it would phonetically show us how to say yes. uh, different, you know, words that were new in each episode. Yes. I just remembered that. I just had yes. a flash of that. Yes. Yeah. I really liked how Freya described Kim. <laughs> Do you remember when Chakotay is she, she says, she says, uh, she says, he was like no other, hair straight and raven black, oh, yes, eyes bright with fierce fire, the burning gaze of a hero. And I thought, wow. Wow, that sounds no, like I, a, no, that's beautiful. I like that. You and should I make think, a t-shirt that describes you. I, I It should be. Or like, you, you know, in Game yeah. of Thrones, where they where they always announce Khaleesi, like you know, mother of dragons, ruler of the yes. Planet. Like I should I should hire someone to walk in front of me and say, "He is like no other. Hair straight and raven black, eyes bright with fierce fire, the burning gaze of a hero." Garrett Wong, like yes. that. And I will. I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce you that way from now on in the podcast. I think. Can you? Wow. I don't. I'd have I... to get a script for it, but I'll do it if you want me to. I am touched. When, you, when we first start the podcast, every week, it can be like, okay, so your co-host for this journey are Robbie McNeil, play Tom <laughs> Paris, and, and then I can start. Hair, <laughs> raven black, eyes like thunder. I don't know, I messed it up already, but you know what I mean. I'll do it. 
if you did that introduction, but it changed every time. Like eyes like lightning, eyes like rubies, like that. You would just keep making up whatever you wanted to fill them up. I gotta go all the way back to like literally the first few moments of this episode. Yes. Like as soon as Janeway says, Oh, let's beam that unknown thing aboard our ship. <laughs> I'm like, dude, haven't you ever seen like the movie Alien or like any any space movie where you bring something on board and it like, yeah, let's bring that unknown thing on our ship. I'm like, it's funny rewatching these episodes. I start to think, you know, Janeway may not be as smart as her reputation. Like she she does a lot of cool things, but she also does a lot of really dumb things. Like if she had just paused for a minute and gone, hmm, we don't know anything about this energy at all. Maybe we should learn a little more before we bring it onto our ship. Anyway, I knew immediately, even though I couldn't remember if it was opera or Vikings or what, I knew immediately, don't do that. Do not okay. beam that. It's going to be a problem. Well that comment alone, Robbie, it just yes. reminds me, I think it was some African-American comedian who talks about how in all every horror movie, it's always the white people that are like, hey, you know, this house, it's That's like right. <laughs> the door slams or, or the window, you know, the, this yeah. thing just moved. Let's keep, let's investigate, right? That, you know, let's, let's, exactly. let's figure what this What's is. What's that scream then, down what in the basement? <laughs> I don't that? know. Yeah, I don't see. know. Why is there blood coming out of the faucet? I don't know. Let's go check on the pipes. Like, where, yeah. But then he talked about if it was a movie with black people, they would be like, oops, too bad we can't stay. And then like, you know, they, they're gone. They That's just right. leave. I, got, I also noticed Les Landau directed this episode. Yes, he did. Yes. And I noticed immediately the difference. Les's eye is just very different. His style of directing. Like there was a shot on the bridge. I think it was Tuvok and Janeway and Chakotay were standing at Tuvok station and it was down low under, under, under Tuvok's arm and you could see like, you know, under here, yeah. you could see Janeway on one side and Chakotay and it was just a visually stunning angle. And oh, I yeah. just, I remember, because I was shadowing directors to, wanting to direct back then, and I remember Les was somebody I always was drawn to because I was always, I thought his framing and the way that he staged things was always very compelling and very interesting. I did notice in this episode a lot of low angles. And yep. that was the first one that came to my attention on the bridge, that low angle. People didn't typically do that. That was definitely a special, you know, something that, that Les Landau saw and, and, and shot. Um, I also noticed moments later, we started on Tuvok's hands pressing buttons and then it came up to see Chakotay and, and Tuvok saying, well, I can't. This is like I, the low, this is like the low angle episode. It really it's is. very he's low, very, yeah. He's very creative on that because later when the doctor's hand is, re, is replenished after it's disappeared, it starts on his hand. He's moving his fingers and then it comes yeah. up, right? Yeah. And also even before that, let's flash back to the scene in the sick bay where, where basically we inform or you guys inform the doctor that he's gonna be the one going on this mission. That was a super interesting choice because the doctor is facing camera again, uh, uh, low angle, low again, angle, everybody up behind him, you know, and he's like, hmm, so you want me to go into blah blah blah, and then then he turns around and faces everybody. So yeah, I thought I made notes on both great. of those shots you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I remember the the shot you're talking about with with uh, the doctor's hand, kind of because because he had yeah, lost his arm, so he's he's now 
replaced his arm. And so it starts on his hand and then he sort of brings it up to look at it and the camera tilts up. Tilts up to, with him, yep. To see us. Yes. I remember doing that shot because I remember um, sometimes Bob would do it a little too slow and, you know, to get the camera to, to, to come up quickly and, and hold his hand the whole time and the dialogue to start, it's hard. And I yeah. remember doing that shot and we probably did it 10 or 20 times. We did a lot. Yeah. It was very, I remember it was getting very frustrating to try to get that shot to work. It's, yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's, it's funny when things work, it seems effortless, mm -hmm. but behind the scenes to get the simplest thing to, to, to happen sometimes is very, very difficult. It was like running a marathon, literally, because it, the timing had to be perfect. And that's, yeah. you know, and that happened in a lot of different, different shots that we filmed throughout the seven years, yeah. where the audience, the fans have no clue. They're watching thinking, well, that's really easy. Looked but, effortless, yeah. yeah. Effortless. And that's because it was take 87 and that yeah. finally got that hand right. up, right? Yeah. Um, Speaking of his hand, while we're, while we're talking about this, um, you know, Bob Picardo has really big hands. He has big fingers, big palm, big knuckles, everything. He's just got a very, he has- the, I, he has I the noticed hands. that. I was going to say, he has the hands of a manual laborer, like somebody who's like a bricklayer mm. or somebody who does mm. like a farm work, like very mm, yeah. the meat of meat, the earth sort of, you know. Muscly hands. Muscly yeah. hands, yes. I, I did notice his hand looked pretty big on that shot, but I wondered if, Again, sometimes depending on the lens you use, if they had used a wide angle lens and been up close, it would have made his hand a little distorted, like bigger. I don't know if that was I'm, the I'm lens. A, or that's definitely it, not the lens. You know why? Yeah. Because I was sitting next to him at a convention one time and we were, and it was a, we were very close. We were sitting, it was a very small convention. They had this one love seat that they had him and I and some other person sitting on. So we were literally shoulder to shoulder and he had his hand on his, on his knee. And I remember looking down and going, good Lord, that's a big ass hand. Like I, I just, I, I, that's, and this is years after we were done with Voyager. So I definitely would say it was not the lens. And if it was the lens that, that only intensified it, but it, his wow. hand without any, you know, any type of filter or lens, but they're it's big. still big. They're really, really big. I, I wanted to also comment on that shot when they first go into the holodeck. So they, they open up the door, Chakotay and Tuvok open up the door and the door opens and you see the, you see the trees there. The camera pans over as they walk in to Correct. the uh, yes, door. Correct, yes, that's mm -hmm. That was not on the same stage as the holodeck set. We had no set there. So they just put trees. I don't know if you remember this. They would sometimes build like a little piece of, if, if you were walking from the hallway into the holodeck, they'd put a little piece of something there to pan over and see it. But then when they cut to whatever the holodeck was, we usually built that over on stage 16. It was the, oh. the big stage. Okay. Because, because we did eventually build a holodeck set where it had the grids and the, you know, all the stuff in there. On stage nine, right? On stage nine. Yeah. We eventually built that, but at this point there was nothing like that there. It was just an empty part of the stage. Yeah, they put a few trees, you pan over, and then when they cut to that big wide crane shot coming down with the, you see the whole forest and then Chakotay and Tuvok walk in. That, that was, would be 16. Yeah, That was 16 and mm -hmm. it was a giant set. I mean, I yeah. really, you know, for the fans to know that was, that was not a forest we went to. It was built on a stage mm -hmm. and that shot alone was really impressive, I thought. The, the, the detail that they put into that forest and, and the scope just for yeah. them to, to walk over and run into to Freya. 
Yeah, and that, um, that's not a that's not a CGI set. That's that's no. full on. That's that's built <laughs> by yeah. our our set dressing uh, uh, team, you know. And it was it was absolutely beautiful. I remember it was really yeah. really well done. The um, um the studios, just a little Hollywood history for people. The studios, like Paramount or Warner Brothers or MGM or Fox, whatever. Uh, back in the old days, everything was on the studio lot. So they would have your stages they would have a construction building, a, a mill, they would call it, where a lot of the wood was cut and things were sort of assembled and then moved to the stage. They'd have yep. the mill construction department. They would have a prop building that kept all the props for all the movies. Yep. They would have a wardrobe building. Everything was on the studio lot. By the time we did Voyager, there wasn't a lot of those departments left on the Paramount lot. There was a mill and a construction uh, shop on the lot there no longer is it's gone it's yeah. closed up uh there was a prop building we used to walk through that tunnel sometimes with all the oh, yeah, props yeah. And that's gone it's turned into offices now oh that's so uh, sad there was a um a paint shop for backing so all the big backdrops that they used to hang in the old movies they were all hand painted they got rid of that that's ryan gone. murphy's office Never. Wow, everything's gone. It's yeah. gone. But we did have a construction shop when we made Voyager. It was one of the last ones still around in Hollywood. Mm. I think Universal had a shop and Paramount, that might be it. Yeah. Nowadays, they build everything off. They cut all the lumber and build it off, off the lot at some cheap, low-rent place. And then they put it on trucks and bring it to the stages. But back then, our shop right on the lot would build the forest. They would build the, the Beowulf castle all those things were built right next to our stages at the shop right so, anyway that's that's good trivia i like to hear yeah. that i think the fans will like to hear that too um so he chooses his name as dr schweitzer which uh first of all if you're going to pronounce that in german that it's not the the wuh sound it's going to be schweitzer the, the schweitzer. Be, yeah the w is a v right so uh -huh. dr schweitzer so he chooses Dr. Schweitzer, which I think is hilarious when they're chanting, you know, Schweitzer, when the Vikings are chanting that. Mm -hmm. um, when he sees Freya, um, and uh, Freya comments that that they've collected all those those mushrooms, right? And he's yeah. talking about, it's just so funny that he's talking about that these will kill you. You know, he know, he gives their scientific name and everything. And, and then she says a line, which I couldn't, I had to replay it over and over again. She was saying, are you a master of herb or herb lore? L-O-R-E is what, what she said. But I thought she said, are you a master herb blower? A herb, like a, like a blower of, of hers? Of I, hers? Don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So I just had to go over and over that. I was like, what did she just say? Um, one other really interesting side fact. Um, I really felt like the actress who played Freya, who did a wonderful job, by the way. Um, yeah. Marjorie, Marjorie Monahan. Monahan, yeah. Marjorie Monahan looks like a blonde version of Bob Ricardo's ex-wife. Uh, that's the whole time I was sitting there going, "Uh, you look like yeah." I mean, to me, I mean, tall, statuesque, similar yeah. type of features. Yeah, very know, similar. Classic very, beauty, you know. Yeah. So it's funny because the Viking thing, written in for the Doctor to have a sort of romance in the Viking thing, definitely, I think Bob Picardo has a type that he's always dated, you know, his ex-wife, mm -hmm. his mm -hmm. current wife, Elizabeth, um, you know, and I hate to put people into boxes, but, right. but definitely Bob is, is attracted he likes, to- He likes them statuesque and tall. Statuesque, yes. tall, tall, blonde, Viking-like, mm 
very much like those kind of qualities. So it's yeah. ironic that he was given his very first away mission in like his dream. It was Bob Bacardo's <laughs> dream world, the, the Viking world. Um, yeah, and so because of that, I do feel that he got he he got a little bit too into his kiss. <laughs> I really think so. Oh, yeah, because because I, I think as a doctor, as a as a hologram, if it's your first kiss, it'd be like, oh, what's happening? He did open his eyes for a second to sort of register, like, oh wow, this is a pleasurable sensation, sort of a right. thing, you know. But I just felt that he was macking a little bit too, you know, like he's done this before. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I felt oh, like interesting. more of a neophyte. And also, this is another thing that I. This is me being weird. I re kept rewinding. When they separate, I see almost like a trail of of of, of saliva. Yes, a little spittle trail that kind of separates between those two. So wow. there was a lot of there's heavy lip locking um, wow. involved. Uh, yes. So the, again, these are just my random observations here. Well, I, I, another thing I, I loved that happened around the time that uh, Chakotay and Tuvok disappeared, and that Janeway's talking about it. Janeway says, she says, the holodecks are basically an outgrowth of transporter technology, changing yes. en energy into matter and back again. Back again, yeah. And it's funny, I, that detail had sort of blown by me, I guess, back in the day, but it made so much sense to me now, like that transporters were invented and then the holodecks were an outgrowth of, of the that. transporter development, mm. creating, you know, turning energy into matter and then back again. I don't know, I just love that explanation I, I love in the in the technology of Star Trek that those things are connected and, and, and that she gives sort of the chronology that transporters were first and then they were an outgrowth, then came holodecks. I thought that was an interesting little detail that, you know, in in the lore of Star Trek, I thought it was good. And by the way, we haven't seen Tom Paris yet. We're about 15 minutes into the show. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, we haven't seen him yet. I'm just I, saying. I, I, <laughs> I will. I, I will add that I do like Janeway's uh, reaction to the possibility of Harry being dead, and she really did have that, like, <gasps> you know, yes. Harry, yeah. like that concern. Yeah. Well, you you don't come in. I I, I made a comment about Tom Paris doesn't come in until about almost 15 minutes in. You don't come in until the last the 43 <laughs> minutes in. And by the way, I was just happy that the doctor had not been in yet. And Tom Paris came in one scene before the doctor. So I was like, yeah, yes, I got you in before it. the doctor. You made it, you made Ooh. it. You also did, you did to make it into engineering, which is very rare to see you, Tom yes. Paris, working. You were working in engineering. Dude, which was I like, love hey. to work. I love That's to work it. buttons. Buttons are my thing. <laughs> You're a button guy. Um, I also liked that Tom came up with a solution. Let's send the doctor in. I was very proud yeah. that they gave Tom not just working buttons, but he actually had a brain and he thought about, oh, maybe this will work. So that was you're just cool. You're just not another pretty face, man. Exactly. You, you got some substance to you. I'm so. not just a weenus. Impressive. My weenus, you know, that what little is, part of your that? elbow? It's that little part of your elbow. See, I've never heard of that before. You've never Robert, heard of a weenus? No. So That's, you're saying th this, this is, is a weenus. Who says that, though? Is this, this Look is, it up. Google it. I'm sorry. Is this American Google. slang? Is this like, is this? Is I think this it might be American slang. Yeah. Because a weenus, it just, I don't, it just. It's one of my favorite words in the, okay, in the slang it. dictionary. Spell it. How do you spell it? W-E-E-N-U-S. Weenus. Oh. Okay, because it just sounds so naughty. It sounds like you're switching. Yeah, you're, that's you're, why you're, it's an awesome word. Because it's sort of, it's like naughty, it's gross, it's weird. 
It is. That's a weenus for, you know, you can say it the, around children. A, it doesn't a, bother So weenus refers to the skin at the of end elbow. of your elbow? Yeah, it's kind of loose there. That's, yeah. Oh, it's God, that little, whoever came up with that is just, I mean, how did they- Is a genius. Just, either it that feels or they were, like some kind of Star Trek word. Yeah. Maybe. Yes. Yeah, there was a Star Trek word. It's like uh, if Janeway had said, ah, oh, we're, we're approaching the weenus civilization. Okay. <laughs> That's the planet of Venus. <laughs> um, referring containment field. I, Beam them over. Beam that Venus over here I, onto the I'm ship. Gonna, I'm going to go back to my old comment of maybe somebody on acid came up with Venus. I had heard a rumor that that's how the South Park guys did a lot of their writing, is they got su supremely high, <laughs> and then they would write. Wow. And I thought, wow. I think maybe some of the Star I, Trek writers did that too. Maybe. Some I, of the but, stories but they not, came up with. No, maybe alcohol infused, maybe some gin or something. But in terms of like taking hardcore, like, you know, hallucinogens like acid or, or mushrooms, I, I, to write would be, to me, I, I think not really productive. I can barely <laughs> write sober. So. That's my point. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, where were we? Let's well, see. I was I was thinking when the doctor, I, I, my head was at where the doctor first goes into the holodeck. Okay. And, and he goes in and he touches the tree. In yes. a great way. And, he and, then, and then he smells the moss. Yes. And I was like, wait, moss doesn't smell. It was a funny, it was a funny little, like you get the heartfelt, oh, I'm touching a tree. And then the moss. Hmm. I thought that was really funny. Bob sometimes like, he goes right up to the edge of sitcom sometimes. He really does. Because yeah. the next thing I expected him to do after he smelled it, I, I, was, I thought he would take that moss and start eating it. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like just, you're just going all the way. Yeah. But he, so. um, this is where he takes on his first name here, Dr. Schweitzer. Yes, Schweitzer, uh, which is quite funny. Um, he enters the Great Hall, meets the, uh, the Danish king. Mm -hmm. uh, and that one guy that keeps challenging everybody challenges him. And so he grabs the sword and then it drops because he's not used to the weight of it, right? So yeah. it drops. So I actually texted him <laughs> when what I was went after. Yeah, I said, I said, Bob, in the episode Heroes and Demons, when Freya hands you her sword for the first time to defend yourself, the weight of the sword makes you drop the point on the ground. Your choice as an actor? Or was it scripted that way? Or did Les Landau direct you to do that? Then he said, my, rec my recollection is that it was my first choice. There were so many firsts for the character in that story. His first time handling a sword, his first time handling a heavy sword. And remember, this was a heavy holographic sword. So that was his <laughs> response. And then I said, yeah, it was, uh, it was also your first kiss on Voyager as well. Your first time eating a leg of elk. <laughs> really great watching your work in this episode again. Thanks for responding so quickly. Robbie and I are about to record our discussion on heroes and demons now. Then he responded, that was one of my early favorites because it was so out of nowhere. I do remember that I was stuffing down that leg of lamb posing as leg of elk at about 8 a.m., still delicious. Also recall that the guest star, Marjorie Monaghan, was great and heartbreakingly beautiful. And of course, we already discussed how oh, similar she is. Yeah, you guys got me rewatching a few episodes. I watched Real Life from season three with my holographic family and my old friend Wendy Shaw playing my hollow wife. Robbie and I have a scene at the end of that show that he is just extraordinary in. Oh, a little, little, little uh, shout out to you. So I, I think we should definitely, when we have Bob back on, we should have him on um, as we do our 
uh, recap of real yeah. life. Have him on during our recap instead of our special. Do yes. the rewatch together and talk. Do the rewatch the with thing. Bob. Yeah, yeah, have him do the whole thing because I think he would love to do that. So. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, when the king says, "Tell us some stories from your land," and he tells him the story of pre- preventing a measles epidemic. <laughs> He that's that was a sitcom to me. That was that like was the sitcom. Totally sitcom. He was like this eating is... and he was nerding out. Like it was the funny version of oh well, I'll tell you the measles story. I mean, and they're this, just looking at him like, who are you? You know what? I really think the Big Bang Theory uh, showrunners they saw this episode and they were yeah. like, hmm, I think we should do a show called Big Bang Theory where these nerds nerd out about their nerdiness, you know, and this is oh, yeah. kind of what had happened. And it really, it, it worked funny. well. This is what endeared Bob Picardo's character to the fandom in terms of yeah. his humor. And uh, <laughs> this is the beginning he, of it right here. And he walked that comedy right up to the edge of sitcom. He it was, really but did. it was great. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that moment where, was it the king, I guess, or whatever he says, talks about his childhood killing someone at 11. He goes, what about you? What about your childhood? And that was a sad moment for me because I was like, oh God, I never thought about that. Like, yeah. doctor didn't have a child. He, he, he never will have a childhood. Yeah, you know? yeah I, little stuff like that. What a great character. It was just one of those little nuances. That wasn't so sad for me because I was still reeling from laughter about the Monty Python-esque moment <laughs> right before that when, when the king says, Ah, perhaps you'd like some mead to fortify yourself for battle. And then uh, Bob says, I'm fine. And then the king slaps away that. Oh, yeah, that was very funny. He's like, away, you're disturbing Lord Schweitzer. Like that. I mean, just that that to me was that actor, you know, going very much to the comedy edge there himself, which may have been because Bob kind of put in that essence of, I'm going to get this close to the comedy. And the the actor playing the king was like, well, what the heck? I'm going to do this too. So, you know, he really, uh, he played that. Great guest stars. I know, I, I do remember that Bob loved, uh, the Freya actress. I know. He, I, I remember he really loved Marjorie Monaghan, and he loved the whole, the whole cast. I think he really. It was. It was a bit. Thea- they were a bit theatrical, and because mm. Bob had come from Broadway and theater and things like mm-hmm. that, I think he really felt in his element to play the scenes with all those mm-hmm. guys. By the way, so when he when he he sees um, the the alien energy and and he loses his arm and he's like, quick, get get the doctor out of there, and it cuts to Tom beaming him back. How many buttons do I need to push to get him back? I pushed like 150 buttons. Like maybe he could have kept his arm if I had just hit the right button. I was like, Can I just... okay, I'm working on it. I'm bringing him back. And then we're waiting and I'm still pushing the buttons and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> Why didn't I just go, boom, back. You know, back in the day, just from all the cons I've gone to as a guest, many fans come up to my table and said, gosh, your, your Q&A is so much like stand-up comedy. Have you ever thought about doing that? And I, I actually said, no, not really. And then one day I said, if I was to write something a, a bit for stand-up comedy, what would it be? And specifically re- involving Trek. And it, I did write a little bit about pushing buttons. And I think I've told that to you oh, yeah, before, yeah. right? And, um, and I talk about how you can tell a guest star on Star Trek because either they push too few buttons, they're like, mm, yeah. mm, or they push too many. And in that case, because it's season one, you kind of fell in the guest star zone by pushing that many buttons. It's just like, because you don't. I was pushing so many buttons and they left it all in. Like I was they thinking, kept it. 
Yeah. Maybe, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way. You're not the transporter chief. You're on the bridge. You know everything about piloting the ship, but you never really transport people back and forth. And it wasn't a real transporter. It was like, it was in sickbay. It was in a right. modified. So it's a different, sort of it's a modified station. So maybe you had to enter into a certain, you had to enter a certain set of commands just to get out of the sickbay subroutines yeah, to maybe. get into transporter. I'm trying to help you here. Thanks. And so then you eventually have to do all this extra stuff because you don't know the quick yeah. shortcuts of doing it. Yeah, maybe. I'll take it. Take that one? Okay. Yeah, I'll give, I'll give it to you. Well, you know what? Here's one thing I did notice. So Tom was in the in engineering with Bellana and they're working. And then at one point they they talked to Janeway on the bridge. And I noticed again a low angle, mm. less less Landau, the director, had put Janeway over by one of the side consoles yeah. with a low angle. And you could see the sunroof on our set. Remember, there was that opening to the stars that you never saw. Oh, but it was looking straight up to this part of the set that we rarely ever saw. Right. And I was, I was surprised to see that. Yeah. You could see the star, the star field that they put. There was only two spots. It was on one side of the bridge and on the other side, and you had to be a very low angle to, to see it. So, yeah. That's a good catch, man. Usually I catch a lot of stuff and things don't get past me. That got past me. I didn't yeah. even re remember seeing that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It was again, cool. Les Landau, Mr. Creativity there, um, dig that. Um, Unferth attacks uh, the doctor when he comes back with the- Prepare to die, demon! Yeah, exactly, and yes. he, he, he knocks the doctor over and that's clearly a stunt double because you can see the back of, the back of the back bald of patterning of his of, of of Bob's head did not match the guy that got knocked to the sides. Oh, that's a good catch. So I, like, catch I caught that one, yeah. And nice. So I, you know, I caught the spittle. I caught the the the, uh, the stunt man falling uh, falling over, and gosh, I, I was I guess I I probably was feeling a little jealous at this point because you had gotten a kiss scene, you know. Then Bob Picardo's the next guy that gets the kiss scene, and I'm like, gosh, when is Carrie gonna get a kiss scene? Because there's no kiss scene. For well, you've been offered kiss kissing the ladies many times so far in this series, and, and I keep, turn them down. You keep turning it down, dude. You got no game. <laughs> The reason you're not kissing anybody is you got no game. Harry has no game yet. I've not so seen it. Sad. It's really sad. Um, I'm really, oh my gosh. That I, really, really bothers me, Robbie. It's true. It really does. They gave Harry zero game. And yeah. and it's and it's sort of it's just painful to watch that. Yeah, sometimes you know, it and is. I think it's and like, I, oh dude, no, and especially, not again. well, it's one thing if, if it was a Caucasian character, I'd be okay with that. But traditionally, Asian men are never given a, the chance. If you talk about from the early ages of filmmaking, D.W. Griffiths, one of the early, early directors in Hollywood, um, he had a movie called Broken Blossoms where there was a it was a young Irish girl who falls in love with a Chinese man that was in Chinatown or something. And, right. and be, but before they can consummate their affair, the, the, the father comes in and kills the, 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 the Chinese guy. So it's sort of like, it, like every time, you know, there's, they're about to show something, it's like just taken away. And it just oh. historically, uh, yes. And so later when we do that episode where Harry Kim is, is, goes to the planet of women, Right. Yeah. I don't know if you recall that yeah. one. But, uh, but, uh, okay. So that one where I, I had a dream sequence where I was kissing on multiple women and, and that, oh my gosh, that literally was, 
Ah, oh, a breath of fresh air because that's the first time you were catching up from all your not having well, games. Well, pretty much. I I would say that that kissing scene I could count on my uh, one hand how many kissing scenes for Asian men in Hollywood in the history of Hollywood, and that wow. was one one of one of three. Maybe. Wow. So wow. there you go. Yeah. So it was a bummer that you to see this all this smooching going on without me being involved, at least at this point. Yes. Yes. Um, speaking of you not being involved, you finally appeared in this episode in like minute 43. But am I right? You only yeah. see the upper portion of me. Yeah. You don't see my leggings. You don't see my sword. You don't see my, you know, the lower it half. It worked. I don't, I, I didn't feel like I was missing a shot, but yeah. Fine. Yeah. I just, I just, I don't know. I feel I'm like glad they more. saved you and Tuvok and Jakote. That would have been a bummer if we had to go back to earth with, you know. Without us? Without you. I mean, the ladies okay. wouldn't have noticed if you were gone because they, they didn't even know you were around. So the ladies would not. No, they knew, but they, they gave up on me. They That's gave up, the they were like, up on yeah. you. Yeah. He doesn't even know how to kiss. He doesn't yeah. know what a kiss is. When Bob comes in and he has that hero moment. And by the way, so when he comes back in, again, it's another angle <laughs> up on his face. Low angle. Comes in, yeah. yeah, low angle. And then Unferth is like getting in his way. And then all he has to do is he lifts up that torch. And yeah. he kind of like walks towards him and then he Unferth just cowers. Like he's like, uh, uh, like I don't like, like what? fire. I get yeah, fire, not good for me. And I I'm kept a thinking, scarecrow. What? <laughs> <laughs> I am made of straw. I yes. will be burned. In a, in a, yeah, it was so a little what was strange. That? that was a little a awkward, little right? Yeah. So I don't know what, uh, I think maybe that could have been solved in blocking. Like as a director, how would you have, you know, how would you have blocked that scene to, or at least how would you have shot it to be a little bit less awkward or more menacing that that, that guy cowers? Like what you well, he also had a sword. Did he have a sword? Yeah, and he the had fire? the sword and the fire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I would have done something. I would have done something like, you know, maybe the sword gets jammed into his shoe so he can't walk away and then take the fire and he's stuck there, you know, and he can't, his shoe is oh yeah or something to where yeah, now well, just, now you can't leave and i'll just i will not only kill you but i'm going to make it so painful right you don't shut up right um I, not I, even I just the shoe he could he could he could bring it in so that he you know gets he, his shirt him in the chain yeah, the shirt the chain mail and because then that would yeah yeah because that would pay off that line i'm programmed to do no harm right so that he, he wouldn't you know he's yeah. not doing harm he's just stopping him then he brings up the fire yeah, um, I, I will say that when um, when Freya dies, and it's a very heartbreaking moment, it, it is a classic sort of, it's interesting that the title is Heroes and Demons, yeah. because um, the doctor really has the classic hero's journey. Yes. Uh, you know, Joseph I, Campbell's hero's journey. I wrote that down too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that he has a heroic moment. And to have a heroic moment, you've got to hit a rock bottom before you can come back as a hero. Yes. And you really feel that, that hero's journey moment when Freya dies and he's hit this rock bottom, he's, he's heartbroken and, and he stands up and he's got this passion and this fire now of a hero. Yes. Um, I just thought that was really well written mm -hmm. and, um, and well played by, by Bob. That journey is complete. The episode feels complete because yeah. That character, the doctor, makes that that full hero's journey mm -hmm. experience and comes out of it with a whole new. You know, he's gone out out of sickbay for the first time. There's so many firsts in this yep. episode for Bob. Most definitely. So, yeah. Um, do you have a, a an underlying message? It's the hero's journey, really. That for me, 
in the end, what happens for the doctor is the message of the episode to me, in that there is a hero in all of us, even the most unexpected people, that if we're willing to kind of step out of our comfort zone and take a risk and be willing to suffer and be willing to, uh, to have courage that, that you, you know, that we all have a hero, even the most unexpected, like the doctor in this situation Mm -hmm. being the hero. Yeah. What about you? Uh, yeah, for me, and I've been sort of juggling with just how to name this, this whole time underlying message, uh, uh, life lesson. That's another way we can put this. Yeah. Um, that it's similar to yours, but it came much earlier. It came from the scene when the doctor was with Kess in sickbay before he goes on the journey, right? Mm. Cause she noticed, she says, doctor, are You're you nervous? nervous? Yeah. yeah. And which is interesting for a holographic program to be nervous. Um, and we realized that it's because he's going on, he's been required to go on a mission that yeah. he has no familiarity with. Okay. Yeah. And Kess explains to him that you, you don't know what to expect. But just like any away mission, none of the crew know what to expect before they go on that away mission. Um, you are, doctor, you're getting away from the familiar. You know, you know everything in this sick bay. You know everything about medicine, but this is new to you. Um, you're dealing with something different. So really it is, it is about telling people that when you take on a new task that could be daunting, that, you, that, mm-hmm. you're, that you're, not, um, you know, you're not sure about, you're nervous about, um, just realize that everybody has those nerves, right? And mm-hmm. but but if you choose to take action and go through with it, you will grow from that. You know, you will then mm-hmm. realize, oh my gosh, you know, this is not the end of the world. I can continue with this. But then if you can you can extrapolate upon that, you can go even broader and talk about regarding, you know, the current state of affairs that we're dealing with in terms of racial inequality. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't it doesn't matter what color your skin is. It does not matter. Everybody laughs, cries, has feelings, mm-hmm. has gets nervous, love, gets nervous. Yeah, gets you know yeah. excited. So we're all the same. And again, I you know I've said this in the past before. The only true way to stop racism in this country or uh, police brutality uh, by Caucasian cops towards African Americans is really is if we have an invasion by an alien race that all of us have to band together. Invasion of the weenuses. Can we film that? Yes, I think I'm going to make start, that movie. I, I'm going to write the script for you and okay. storyboard this, and we could show it to the fans. Invasion yeah. of the Weenuses. Uh, for <laughs> all in the name of, of bringing together humanity. That's right. That is what Delta Flyers is all about. Cool. Good job, Garrett. We did good. <laughs> all right, this week. man. Yeah, this was a fun one. We're getting, um, I'm just happy that we're getting our, our rhythm you know, with each other better. And we're just yeah. kind of, it's coming good. along, it's coming along, it's coming along. And um, we look forward to reviewing uh, Cathexis next week. That'll be fun. It'll be fun. All right, guys. See you next week.